it's been a situation where people have been desperate to get the information. I would like to mention um, some of the sites uh, at uh, VG. The way to visualize how uh, this virus has um, affected uh, Norwegians uh, has been pretty impressive. Quite a lot of spreading of um, uh, rumors and conspiracy theories during the COVID-19 situation. It's a question of um, free speech, but also a question of gatekeeping. To um, keep an active blog, it requires quite a lot of work. I hope that they're going to do some smart choices when it comes to making it easier for people to subscribe, making it easier to uh, provide money for the media companies. So I think we've seen the value of journalism and we've also seen the value of clear communication during the COVID-19 situation. Hi and welcome back to Oslo Media House podcast with Chaitra. The guest for today's episode is Bente Kalsnes, Associate Professor of Communication at Christiania University, Digital Culture, Blogging, Citizen Journalism, Freedom of Speech, New Technology, Feature Journalism are her core interests. Let us welcome the author of Falsni Hetta, Bente. Welcome to Oslo Media House podcast. Thank you. Hi Bente. Hi, nice to meet you. Could you tell our listeners how you are part of Oslo Media House? I'm one of the neighbors <laughs> because I'm working at uh, Christiania University College. Uh, so uh, I've been going to several events um, and I've been invited as a speaker and I've also been a participant um, in uh, different kind of media events. All right. And where are you located at the moment? At the moment, I am at home in my bedroom <laughs> doing my home office routine um, uh, yes. because of the COVID-19 situation in Norway. What are the problems you're facing from pandemic as a teacher? I mean, we, we've had to make lots of changes when it comes to the way we're working, both when it comes to teaching and doing uh, research, because we can't be at at school. We're not able to have the, the uh, classes as we normally do. So we've mainly been teaching through Zoom and through different kind of uh, applications. Uh, so we had to to do uh, lots of adjustments uh, when it comes to the teaching and how we're interacting with the, with the students. Um, some of the students were supposed to have presentations. We also have to do some changes to that. Um, and in several cases, we had to do changes to the exams in order to make them um, uh, digital. Um, Digital friendly. Yes, yes. digital friendly. Um, when it comes to the to the research, um, of course, this topic is also very interesting to do research on. But um, uh, we're not able to meet uh, at the moment, so we do all our meetings on uh, Teams, uh, uh, Zoom, uh, Skype, whatever, and. In that sense, it's uh, actually easier to meet lots of our colleagues in different parts of the world. But uh, we also had to 
cancels several events. Um, for example, this week I was supposed to be in Australia for a huge communication conference. Um, it's not cancelled, uh, but it's moved online. And we also had to upload our presentations online. So, yeah, of course, like everyone else, we had to adjust. Yes, and how students are coping up with the change in the way of teaching and how it is affecting them academically? I think most students, they miss their peers, they miss their friends, they miss to be in the same room together. Um, now they are meeting each other uh, from the screen, from their from their uh, bedrooms, from their apartments. Maybe some of them have uh, uh, gone back to their parents. So I, I think this situation, uh, I, I completely understand that this is challenging for the, for the students. Um, at the same time, some students, uh, maybe they feel they're able to focus more, but I also uh, think that uh, it might be that some students, they lose their inspiration. So we had to do some extra efforts to uh, get the, the students uh, engaged and involved and uh, uh, get them up in the morning. Yeah, and as a journalist and associate professor of communication, can you tell us how media industry has evolved in Norway? Oh yeah, this has been a huge situation for the Norwegian media companies in the sense that it's been a situation where people have been desperate to get information, what is going on with the health situation, how is the virus threatening us, and we've seen a huge spike in, in online traffic for all the news sites. Uh, and of course, they had to change how they are working since also the media companies had to um, uh, work from home. They have they have to publish their online news sites uh, from the home offices. So, of course, this has been uh, a big shift for everyone. Um, but we also seen um, uh, some new innovations. Um, which is typical when you have a uh, more extreme situation. They, they have to solve things in a different way. Um, and I would like to mention um, some of the sites uh, at uh, Vega where they've been publishing constantly updated um, data on the virus and the number of uh, uh, infections and uh, the way to visualize how uh, this virus has um, affected uh, Norwegians uh, has been pretty impressive. What is your opinion on the current state of media industry? Are they kind of losing their credibility with overwhelming news and too much of information? No, I don't think so. And it seems like the... the uh, the the service I've seen when it comes to, for example, trust in in journalism in Norway, that's fairly fairly good. But the, I think one of the major problems for the media industry this spring has been that advertisers they have also had to cut back on their uh, budgets, and we've seen a loss of advertising money for the media industry here, uh, as we've also seen in many other countries. So it becomes even more crucial for media companies to get increased numbers of subscribers in order to be able to finance uh, journalism. And uh, can you tell us about your book on fake news? 
Yeah, I I wrote a book about uh, fake news and uh, disinformation um, in the aftermath of uh, what happened in the US election in 2016. Um, this was a book about uh, more about the Norwegian situation and how um, uh, is it threatening Norwegians and is it threatening Norwegian media? Um, what type of fake news and disinformation have we seen here um so this this was something uh i um uh figure out i i needed to uh to follow up on uh because i've seen that this was a, a huge development going on in the nordic countries as well as in in uh, most of the countries in the world um so and we also seen uh, quite a lot of spreading of um, uh, rumors and conspiracy theories during the COVID-19 situation. And you did talk about uh, the conference you had in Australia, which went online. Could you share some of the insights about the, about the conference? It's the biggest uh, communication conference in the world, uh, the ICA conference. Because of the the situation, uh, it was uh, moved online. So everyone were encouraged to upload their presentations. And uh, there's going to be... Uh, some live events, but most of it is pre-recorded. Um, and this is the first time it has taken place in this way. And that's what we see with lots of conferences these days, that either they are cancelled or they go online. And are you holding up any workshop or a talk about your book? I'm uh, giving a presentation about a research project I'm, uh, I've been doing together with a colleague at Oslo Metropolitan University, Caroline Ilbeck, where we looked at um, moderation on uh, political parties' Facebook pages. How are they moderating? What are the challenges? Uh, what kind of uh, tools do uh, Facebook as a platform provide for moderators? So yeah, so basically it's about how to to deal with moderation on uh, on uh, Facebook as a platform and what are the uh, imp- possible improvements of the platform? Definitely, uh, there is a lot of uh, fake information revolving around. So could you give a comment on that? Everyone who publishes something on Facebook is potentially a moderator in the sense that all profiles on Facebook has a comment section. Either uh, if you have a individual profile or if you're uh, managing a group or a page. So potentially you're a moderator. And the question is how to deal with that. And do you have... Do you have uh, the tools you need in order to do that kind of uh, moderation because it's getting fairly challenging and particularly if you're uh, an administrator of a huge group or a huge page with lots of followers Uh, and the question is do you have a responsibility do you have a legal responsibility or is it mainly a moral responsibility and how to deal with that how much resources to spend on this Uh, who should do the job um, 
and we have to put the put the limits on on what is uh, accept, acceptable and what is not acceptable. So yeah, so basically it's it's a question of um, free speech, but also a question of gatekeeping uh, and what kind of tools are given to the gatekeepers. Uh, what kind of tools would you suggest uh, for the Facebook for the moderating of uh, news? Yeah. Um, Today, there's quite some differences between uh, pages and groups and the kind of tools uh, uh, moderators have. Um, One example is that on pages, you are not able to close the comment section. And something we heard from many of the uh, communication advisors that we um, interviewed was that uh, it's not possible to close the comment section during the evenings when they are not working and they're not able to moderate. So, I mean, that could be one uh, way to give the moderators a little bit more control in the sense that it's possible to close the comment section, for example. Um, so that can be one feedback from the from the interviews. And are you still blogging? Uh, <laughs> to be honest, not much these days. Um, uh, to to um, keep an active blog, it requires quite a lot of work. Um, I was blogging for many years fairly actively. Um, I've been using Facebook and Twitter more actively for the past few years. Um, but it's been a a uh, nice outlet to have um, uh, when I get inspiration. Yes, you're still looking for uh, inf- inspiration for your next blog. <laughs> uh, or I'm publishing it uh, in different channels. So, yeah, yeah so I'm, I'm still writing a lot, but I write it in different places. All right. Yes, Benta, what is your vision for the next uh, or next weeks or the coming year? How will pandemic restrict our society and uh, the schools and the universities? Yeah, that's a big uh, question. Um, we, we don't know the details yet. We don't know exactly how it's going to be for the coming fall semester. Uh, it seems like we're going to be able to meet up in smaller groups together with the students. Um, but when it comes to big lectures, I think that's going to be a bit more complicated. But I really look forward to see the students back in our uh, university college again because I think this situation is a bit uh, challenging for all all of us and I think it's um, a good thing for students to to come together and be able to discuss and challenge each each other. And any comment on how pandemic will be restricting uh, the media industry and the economy? Uh, when it comes to the economy in general, it seems uh, this is really taking a toll on uh, Norway and uh, all other countries. When we see how the unemployment rate is uh, increasing, uh, when it comes to the media uh, industry, um, I think. I, I I hope that they're going to do some smart choices when it comes to making it easier for people to subscribe, making it easier to uh, provide money for the media companies, uh, making it less complicated to sign on. Um, so that that is my um, uh, encouragement um, when it comes to the media industry. 
and do you think the politicians understand the problems the media industry is facing currently? Um, I'm not sure about that. Uh, from what we've seen so far, um, it seems that uh, it has not been taken as seriously as uh, at least the media industry would would hope for. So what advice do you give to the young people? Uh, should they choose jur- journalism now? Of course. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, to study journalism or media and communication studies is more important than ever. And I think we've also seen that in this situation. Of course, it's important that uh, lots of people study um, uh, from medicine or nursery uh, or nurse uh, school or becoming teachers. But I think this situation has also uh, demonstrated how important it is with good journalism uh, to be able to communicate in a way that uh, makes it under, uh, possible for people to understand complicated information. So I think we've seen the value of journalism and we've also seen the value of clear communication during the COVID-19 situation. Before we end this podcast, would you like to share a memory connected to Oslo Media House? I've been to some really interesting uh, presentation there. Um, I remember a Swedish researcher, she did a presentation about uh, uh, a project she was working on at Oxford Internet Institute. And she talked about uh, the amount of uh, junk news in Sweden. And I thought that was a really interesting presentation. And I'm also been considering hmm is is it is it the right word to call it junk news and how do you define something as junk news so that opened up a lot of questions for me so yeah so i heard some really interesting presentations there all right and it has been a pleasure talking to you thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your thoughts and experiences and this is chaitra signing off